Okay, well, if you have uh, your Bible, uh, turn it to Matthew chapter 28. Or if you are using your worship guide, that works great. Um, I'm looking at my worship guide trying to decide if I need it. No, because stay there. Okay, (laughs) sorry. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Turn your Bible to Matthew 28. We are in a sermon series here called Purpose and Mission, where we are considering what is the purpose of the Christian life uh, and what is the mission of the church. And thus far, we have learned, uh, mostly from the book of Matthew, although these things we find reflected all over Scripture, uh, we have learned that the purpose of the Christian life, the, the, the big idea, the, the goal, what we're doing here together is to love God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and to love one another. Loving God and loving others. Jesus said that all the law and all the prophets, everything in your Bible, hangs on these two commands. So uh, everything that life is about as a Christian uh, comes down to loving God and loving other people. We've learned that so far in the series. We've also learned, though, that institutionally, as a church, we have a mission. Individually, our lives have purpose, but institutionally, when we come together, we have a mission. It's kind of like the purpose of football is to win, but each team has a mission. Get the ball down the field to score points and keep the other team from doing so. So purpose and mission. Our mission that we've learned thus far is found all throughout Scripture, uh, even with the first people, Adam and Eve, but if we're going to pick one place where it's articulated the, the most clearly and comprehensively, that would be Matthew 28, 18 through 20, in a passage that we know as the Great Commission. Uh, we started that last week looking at the authority of Jesus, his divine authority and his human authority. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And today we'll continue with that, talking about making disciples. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's read it. Uh, together For this series, we have been reading part of this passage together. You'll find it in your worship guide. Um, so I'll start with the regular print. And when you see the bold print, that's your cue to jump in and read with me. And I ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. Okay, so there it is. Our purpose uh, is to love God and love one another. And our mission is to, uh, under the authority of Jesus, uh, to go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. 
And we need to know that he is with us even all the way until the end of the age. That's what we're doing here. That's our mission. That's how we come up with, if we continue the football analogy, with the plays that we run. Everything that we do as a church comes down to this great commission, which is how God has called us to pursue our purpose, which is loving him and loving other people in the world. So, make disciples. That's sort of the big part of this commission. Go, therefore, based on the authority of Jesus, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and know that Jesus is with us. This week and next week, we're going to focus on this go and make disciples of all nations piece. It's kind of the the big part of this commission. If we don't understand what it means to go and make disciples of all nations, we don't understand the Great Commission at all, which means we don't understand how to live into our purpose as a church. So it's really important. So this week and next week, we're focusing on that. The question for today, today's sort of the intro. The question for today is, uh, the, the basic question is, what is a disciple? And then the next question is, what does it mean to make disciples. Uh, and that second part we'll, we'll continue to talk about throughout the rest of this series. But really for today, the, the big thing, what in the world is a disciple? Disciple is a Christianese term. It is a churchy word. If you hang around church, you will hear the word disciple. Uh, it also has places outside of the church, but At least in my life, the place where I've heard the word disciple the most is in church, and I have heard it regularly. Disciple, discipleship, discipling, disciple class, discipleship training, uh, make disciples, be a disciple. And sometimes with churchy words, we get used to using them without ever taking time to actually learn what they mean. Uh, It's easy for us as just an organization of human beings to adopt insider language uh, that we use without actually thinking about what we're saying. And I'm a big fan of trying, at least the best we can, to know what we're saying and think about it. So what is a disciple? What does that mean? Well, the answer that we're looking for, we don't want to pull it from our culture, We don't want to pull it from our life experience. We want to pull it from the Bible. And then use our other tools to interpret it and to understand it. But we want to get the definition here in the Bible. So what does the Bible mean? Or maybe even better, what does Matthew, who wrote this, what did he have in mind when he said that Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations? Well, let's start with the word. Go make disciples. That's what it says here in the text. Well, if you go to the original language that Matthew wrote this in, with Koine Greek, uh, the word is mathete uo. Mathete uo. And it's used as a verb. It means make disciples. Mathete uo, it's, the root word is mathetes. And mathetes, we translate disciple. Uh, but if we were to get down to just the most basic understanding of what it would mean, it really means follower, or maybe even better yet, 
student. So, mathetes means follower, maybe even better, it means student. Mathete ouo means make students, make followers. Now, we're still kind of out here in idea land. Uh, a way that really brings this home for me, I think about you know, something I read this week. Uh, I, there's a great commentary on the book of Matthew by a guy, by a guy named Douglas Sean O'Donnell, very uh, Irish, Irishy name, Douglas Sean O'Donnell. He wrote a great commentary in the book of Matthew, and he translates this idea of being a Mathetes student follower of Christ. He translates it like this. He says, being a disciple is being enrolled in the school of Christ. Kids, do any of you go to school? Some. It's okay to raise your hand. It's okay to nod at me. Or it's okay to be quiet and just don't do anything. Whatever you need to do. Uh, kids, do you just, do you just uh, whether you go to a, a school in a building or whether maybe you're homeschool, uh, do you just like roll up into school like you own the place and just start going? Or do your mom or your dad or your grown-up have to go and register you and make sure the teacher knows your name and they or if you're homeschooled do you guys just happen to do school or do mom and dad or your grown-up have to actually like 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 tell you hey it's time for school let's sit down let's do our stuff which, which one is it i'm gonna guess and say it's the second one you don't just roll up into the school building somebody at least has to go in the beginning of the year and sign you up and you don't just, if you're homeschooled, you don't just roll out of bed and school magically happens. Mom or your dad or your grown-up, they have to do work. And they have to study. And they have to, you know, send off for materials that come back that are for you. School is something that happens. You have to be enrolled. You, and so being a disciple is being a follower, student of Christ. It's being enrolled in the school of Christ. Now this means... That it's both a personal thing, because here we are, personally enrolled in the school of Christ. But it's also an institutional thing. It, it has to do with a group. You, like That's that enrollment piece. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself again. What does it mean to be enrolled in Christ's school? Well, way back in the time Jesus was walking around with sandals on, teaching people and doing miracles in Galilee and in Judea, back in those days it was the first century. And Jesus was Jewish. In fact, he was what we could rightly say, Jesus, his job at the time, even though he had been a carpenter or a, uh, a common laborer, um, his job during the time of his ministry was, as, was widely recognized as a rabbi. He was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher. And in the first century, all throughout uh, Galilee and Judea and that area, uh, there were men who were employed as rabbis. They were kind of like, kind of like what I do, kind of like pastors. Um, Except back then, the way rabbis would do things is they would walk around from town to town 
and they would teach. Now, when they arrived in a town, they would maybe set up in a synagogue or out in an open place, and they would teach the Bible, teach the law. Uh, and people would become attracted to what was going on. People wanted to know what was in their Bibles. They, they wanted to know the law. And some of them were probably really good preachers. But then when they were done, they would pack up their stuff and they would walk to the next town. And people would follow them to the next town. And after a while, the rabbis would, would, uh, uh, would sort of uh, uh, gather a group of students around them. And very often they would make some of those students like official students. Like they would enroll them. They would be like, oh, you are of the school of Hillel. Hillel was a famous rabbi around the time of Jesus. Or you're of the school of uh, Shammai. Or you're of the school of so-and-so. Or even we find in the book of John in the first chapter that some of Jesus' own disciples had previously been of the school of John the Baptist. They were John's disciples. So being a disciple in a New Testament sense is being a follower or a student. Being a disciple of Jesus is being enrolled in the school of Christ. Let me show you here from the text. If you would, if you, uh, well, I think we read it earlier in Matthew 4. Is that the passage we read earlier? Yeah. In your worship guide, if you flip back to what Charity read earlier in Matthew 4, or if you have your Bible or your smartphone, that's great too. Let's read from Matthew 4. This is when Jesus called his first disciples to himself. We'll start in verse 12. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says that when he had heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled. In the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Going out from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat, Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Why did these guys leave their nets? Why did they leave their nets in their boats? Well, we know from comparing Matthew with the other Gospels, specifically the Gospel of John, this was not the first time Jesus had met these guys. He had run into them before because... Andrew and one that was unnamed, but it's probably John himself, were of the school of John the Baptist. This passage starts off once John the Baptist was arrested. If we turn to John chapter 1, we find John the Baptist by the Jordan River baptizing people and preaching. And two of his student followers, disciples, uh, were there with him. And Jesus had walked by. And so 
We know that these guys had seen Jesus before. But what's unique about this time when they saw Jesus is he says, follow me, and they leave their nets, their fishermen. They leave all their fishing stuff on the ground. In fact, they just leave it with, you know, two of the guys' dad. I feel bad for him. He had to carry all that stuff home. But then they left. Well, they were fishermen. That was their job. But once this rabbi came along and he said, you, you, you and you, follow me. They understood that he was calling them to a vocation change. They were no longer just going to be people who listened to Jesus preach from afar. He was calling them into his rabbinical school. They would have to stop fishing and they would have to start following him. In, in official capacity, not just listening from afar, but this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing with their life. Dad, sorry, can you take the boat home? We just got a whole new uh, vocation, a whole new job, a whole new thing that we're doing. So, bye, we're off to school with Rabbi Jesus. There was no hesitation. Now, I wonder why even though they had seen Jesus before. And even though now he is calling them officially to join his school, what was it about him that caused them to go immediately? It says that in the text. It says, he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets. And later the two other guys, immediately they left their boat and their dad behind them. What was it? Well, Matthew in the text gives us a clue. It's that first part when he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. It says that Jesus was starting out his ministry and it was just like the prophet Isaiah had said. People who dwelled in great darkness have seen a great light and a light has dawned. We talked about this before. Jesus thought of himself as the light of the world. The world that had lived in darkness now because he had arrived as this rabbinical teacher in Galilee. Now, at least Galilee of the Gentiles, the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. These people are going to see a great light. And then he starts going around saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These people had seen Jesus. They had seen him and they had heard his proclamation. He began to preach the kingdom of heaven is a hand. Another fun Greek word for next time you end up somewhere at Greek trivia. That word there for preach is the word kairuso. And it means preaching, but not quite the same as I'm preaching now. Like, like during the sermon time, during like a liturgical event. This is preaching like proclamation. This is like somebody... Um, uh, like back in the old days when somebody would stand on, like, like, like a, uh, back in the old days when they, people sold newspapers by hand. Lots of times it was kids. And they would stand on the street corner and they'd say, they'd say uh, what did they say? They said, something, something, read all about it. What was the word? Somebody help me here. Extra, extra, extra read all about it. They were proclaiming, I have the new paper. That's what Jesus was doing. He was proclaiming that the kingdom of God was at hand. It was arriving. And the people who heard him, it was like the light finally turned on for them. 
So why did these four men leave everything to enroll in his school? Well, because they had heard his proclamation. They had heard his proclamation. And they had also experienced his power. Uh, Mark and Luke record this same story. But they add something that must have happened that Matthew had left out. And it's that when Jesus walked up to where the guys were with their fishing nets, apparently they were still in the water, but they weren't so far out where they couldn't hear Jesus speaking from the shore. Jesus walked up and he told them, he said, hey guys, uh, take the net and throw it over on the other side. Have you heard this story before? Because they had been out there all night and they hadn't caught anything. Jesus walks by and he goes, throw it on the other side. And they're like, okay. So they throw the net over and all of a sudden the net is full of fish and they try to bring it into the boat and the boat begins to sink and they had to jump out of the boats because they were close to the shore and bring them up and there's fish everywhere and their nets begin to rip. And then Peter, one of the fishermen, runs out and he falls on his face and says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Peter was overcome by this miracle. Now when Matthew tells this story. He says Jesus was there and they were mending their nets. Why were they mending their nets? Well, because they had just been ripped up with this miraculous catch of fish. So these guys had heard Jesus' proclamation about the kingdom. They experienced the dawning of the light. They heard him like they heard nobody else before. They'd also experienced his power with that whole fish thing. And now they were hearing his invitation. Come with me. Follow me. Enroll in my school. Folks, do you know that that's how people even today become disciples of Jesus? Our big questions for this sermon is what is a disciple? And then how do we make them? Well, Matthew shows us. Because when Jesus stood there on the mountain and gave the Great Commission to the eleven, four of those guys, we have the story of when they became disciples. And the way it works is when somebody hears the proclamation about who Jesus is and that his kingdom is here. And then when somebody experiences Jesus' power, when somebody says yes to Jesus' invitation, they're in school. What had happened before, whatever their life was about, is now over. And now, since they heard his proclamation, experienced his power, and now are responding to his invitation, something new has begun. School has started. Kids, once school starts in the fall, summer's over, isn't it? Yep. Some of you, that's really awesome. Some of you don't like that day. But when school starts with Jesus, life before is done. It's over. Or time, it's time to embark on something new. I wonder if you guys resonate with this. Uh, this idea of what it means to be a disciple, to have been made a disciple. And after this point, these four guys, they, what do they do? They just start following Jesus around. This happens in Matthew 4. And right after that, it says, if we, if, we, if we pick up where we left off, it says that Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria and 
He, you know, people brought him the sick and the afflicted and their diseases. Great crowds followed him. Do you see it now? They're following Jesus as Jesus proclaims his message, demonstrates his power, and puts out his invitation. What they had experienced themselves from Jesus when they were enrolled in his school, now they're following him as he is doing that for other people. Do you see it? And they're watching and they're learning. They're following him. And this is what the Christian life, how it works. This is how life in church works. Church is a school. It's the school of Christ. And what we're doing together is following him. Which is why we open our Bibles to see what he said. To see what he's doing. Which is why we pray to tell him where we are and what we're doing. Because we're in the act of following him. Uh, early on in the history of the church, uh, it was very often referred to, we see this in the book of Acts, it, the church was referred to as the way. Because the people that were in it were people who followed a way of following Jesus. You see that? That's pretty cool. So that's what we're doing. But Jesus didn't just tell the guys. He didn't just say, follow me, and then they started school. He said, follow me, and I will make you Fishers of men, right? They were fishermen. Now they're going to be fishermen for men. And that helps us to remember that being a disciple and making disciples, inviting other people to come along with you, they go together, right? With the Great Commission that we read, the church's mission isn't uh, go, the, all authority has been given unto me, go therefore and be disciples. It doesn't say that, it says go therefore and Make disciples, right? So, what is a disciple? Someone, it's a student, it's a follower, enrolled in the school of Christ. Uh, what does it mean? How, how do we become one? By experiencing his proclamation, his power, and his invitation. But what does it mean to make disciples? Because that's what our mission is. I think we know we got to be disciples before we can make them. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But what, how do we make disciples? What does that mean? Does that, does that mean we need to go out and just convert a bunch of people? Uh, does that mean we need to uh, do things a certain way? What does that mean? Well, if you have your Bible, we're going to go one more place that helps us understand our Great Commission passage. Flip over, or if you have your smartphone, to Matthew 9.35. Matthew 9.35. This is a little later in Jesus' ministry there, Galilee and Judea. Obviously, we're in Matthew 4, now we're in Matthew 9. And this happened. Jesus went um, throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease. Surprise, he's doing the thing that he started out doing. He's bringing the guys with him. Healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. 
And the names of the twelve uh, apostles were first Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Those are the four guys we met before, the fishermen. Then we have Bartholomew and Philip, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the uh, Canaanian, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And that's how the twelve turned into the eleven, by the way. And these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, that's familiar. Proclamation. Then, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Uh, you received without paying, give what you pay. Acquire no gold or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, no two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Okay, so there's, there's power there. There's healing going on. There's deliverance going on. It's not happening because of money or material resources. Uh, then it says... Uh, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. For you enter the house, greet it. If the house is uh, worthy, let your peace come upon it. That's invitation. And let your peace, re- not your peace, return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. Truly I say to you, be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town who rejects you. So here we have a story of Jesus taking the disciples in his school, picking out 12 of them, giving them special authority, and then sending them out to do the things that Jesus had been doing the whole time. Proclaim that God's kingdom is here, demonstrate God's power, and offer an invitation for people to receive them. Jesus takes his students who had watched him proclaim God's kingdom, demonstrate God's power and make invitations. And now he says, okay, your turn, now you do it. Have you ever trained for a job? This is how it works. You go and you watch somebody who knows how to do the job do it, and then eventually they hand over the tools to you and they say, now you go and do the same thing. That's what's happening here. So, discipleship means Following Christ, making disciples means representing Christ. Notice that they go out into all the towns in the area to do Jesus' things. Do you know why they were doing that? Well, if we scroll forward to the end of Jesus' speech here, we get to the end of it, which is Matthew 11, 1, and it says, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. So, here's what's happening. He's got some guys in his school. They've been watching him proclaim that the kingdom is there, demonstrate God's power, and invite people to join them. And now eventually he says, okay guys, you go out. You proclaim God's kingdom, you demonstrate God's power, and you invite people to join you. And then... All these cities that you go to, to do this proclaiming and power demonstrating and inviting, that's where I'm going next. So, he sends them out, not just as his students having a lab day, but as his 
heralds his representatives to prepare the way for where he is going next. Being a disciple means following Christ. Being a making disciples means representing him to other people. Heralding him. And that's what we're supposed to do as a church. Follow Jesus together. Be in his school. But also go out from here to our houses, our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our friend groups, our whatever, and and even to the ends of the earth, to all nations, and we're supposed to make his proclamation. We're supposed to demonstrate his power. And we're supposed to invite people to join us because where he is going next is the place that you had just been. And that's our mission as a church. And that proclamation isn't so complicated. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Telling people this thing about Jesus being king, this thing about new reality being on the other side of repentance and faith, it's true. Demonstrating God's power. And that doesn't mean we're going out and saying, watch this, and trying to do miracles. What that means is that we make what he is doing in our lives evident. Do you know that it takes God's power to even make somebody turn from whatever they were doing before in order to turn to follow Jesus? These guys dropped their nets and they followed Jesus because of him and what he was doing. So we... Show people God's power. Open our lives. And then we make an invitation. Hey, do you want to be a part of this thing? That's our mission. And bring other people along as we represent Jesus to the world. Now, we're like, uh, you know, close to done here. Uh, here's the big question. Why? It, this seems pretty simple. This make disciples, be a disciple, make disciples. Why is this so hard? I have been in church my whole life. My dad's a pastor. My big brother's a pastor. I've been in ministry for over 10 years. Uh, I've lived in this. I've, I've, I've pastored in three different denominations in two different states. And I have never been to a place where this mission was not really hard. And I know that here at Hope, even though I've only been here, you know, seven months or so, it's hard. If it's so simple... Making disciples, following Jesus, representing Jesus. Why is it so hard? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question. But I want to pull out one that I think we struggle with as a church. And I think we struggle with here as the church in Portland. Can I have five more minutes? Okay. One of the reasons it's so hard for us to do this, to make disciples, is because... We have taken, and very often, take Jesus' biblical model of discipleship, following him and representing him to others, and we exchange it for a cultural model of discipleship. Very often we don't do the thing that we tried to do in the last 20 minutes, which is to pull our idea of what a disciple is what making disciples is from the Bible together as a group here before God with humility and with our brains turned on. We, we, we exchange that for a 
very familiar cultural picture of what discipleship is. And that cultural picture is very different than the biblical picture. But it is so common that it's hard to see. And it's so much like the biblical picture that to the untrained eye, it can be hard to recognize. Here's what it is. Biblical model of discipleship. Enrolling in the school of Christ, following him and representing him to other people. Cultural model of discipleship that we exchange it for. Apprenticeship. Enrolling in the school of Christ in order to follow him until we figure out what he's doing so we can therefore do it on our own and replace him. You know the difference is between being a student and being an apprentice? When you're a student, you never replace the teacher. But when you're an apprentice, that's the whole idea. Now, let me just put this in the plainest terms possible. In order for us to fulfill being obedient to the Great Commission, we need to follow Jesus and represent him to other people in the way that we recognize that he is coming behind us to every place that we proclaim and show his power, make an invitation to himself do those things. And that's where the real power is. We are his students and we will never, ever, 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 ever not be his students. We learn from him and we will never, ever, ever, ever master his teaching. That's biblical discipleship. Cultural apprenticeship that we like to replace is we're going to follow Jesus until we get it. And then we're going to go about and do our own thing. We're going to learn his ways till we get it under our belt. And we're going to go out and we're going to save the world. Do you see the difference? And folks, we have adopted that model. We follow Jesus just enough to get an idea of what's going on. Then we go out on our own as if we're the saviors of the world. We're the saviors of our families. We're going to be the saviors of this city. We're going to be the saviors of this country. And we expect God to bless it. That's not discipleship. Discipleship isn't I follow Jesus until I figure it out and then you follow me because I'm your pastor. It's not discipleship. Discipleship is all of us together follow him. All of us together represent him. And from now until eternity in the future, we will be following him with all of our hearts. And we will never, ever, ever master his way. Because if we did, we would displace him. And the proclamation that the kingdom is at hand can't happen unless there's a king. And the demonstration that the power of God is here alive in the world can't happen unless the power of God is embodied in the world. And the invitation for people to come join us has no power if we're just inviting people to be like us. We've got to invite people to look to him and to follow with him. That's it for today. Let's pray.